especially by the winning team, which was Piper's Pack. Is that right? Yeah. Well done. I'm sure that everyone would appreciate if you guys would lead them maybe on some early morning runs here in the mountains and kind of build up their endurance. No, you want to have that up? Okay, you guys, you want to play more endurance? Talk to Noah, okay? He'll take you on some runs. I'm just going to keep teaching the Bible, okay? So open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11. So our third talk on endurance, trying to develop endurance in the Christian life. The first night we saw that endurance is a gift of our everlasting God. And then uh, as we wait on him, we renew our strength. And the last time we started talking about how we wait on him. And we learned that we wait on him through obedience to his word. And as we obey his word, it guides us through times of suffering and temptation. It frees us from sin, and it shows us that Jesus was perfectly obedient for us. Tonight, we're going to discuss the second way we can wait on the Lord. We wait on him through resting. In the passage we're about to read, Jesus invites us to enter into his rest. This is Matthew 11. We're going to start verse 25. Hear the word of the Lord. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You have hid these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this wonderful word, for your Son, who was the Word, who came into this world to bring us this good word, that we can come to him and find rest. So we come this evening weary, faint, and maybe even fallen from the busyness in this world. Our minds, bodies, and souls are exhausted. So we pray now that you would give us rest. We pray that you would break our addiction to busyness. We pray that you would renew and strengthen our minds, our bodies, and our souls. And we pray that you would transform us into the kind of godly leaders that rest in you and that lead others to rest in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, if you ever find yourself in an addiction recovery group, I hope you don't, but if you ever do, what you'll find out is they, they all have a similar way to introduce themselves, right? If you go to AA, then they'll, they'll go around the, the room and introduce themselves and say, hello, my name is so-and-so, I'm an alcoholic. Well, if I was in an addiction recovery group, I would introduce myself like this. Hello, my name is Shane, and I'm a busy-aholic. I love to be busy. Life for me is one giant to-do list, and every day I work down that to-do list to get as much stuff done as I possibly can. 
And I once saw a meme that really described my life. And I've got a picture over here. Angela, can you, can you show this for me? We got this? Maybe. I tried to be real hip. Use a meme. Let's see. Mason, you're throwing <laughs> to fix hey, I it. I procrastinate on this one. I sent Jeremy this meme at 11 o'clock this morning, okay? My fault. I did not procrastinate. What's that? I rested and didn't. You rested. Fair enough. Fair enough. Who's passing his phone around? I could just describe the meme, but it's funnier if you guys actually see the meme than if I describe it. Let's see the description first to see how close it is. There it is. So this is Cruella DeVille from 101 Dalmatians. And the caption says, me trying to excel in my career, maintain a social life, drink enough water, exercise, text everyone back, stay sane, survive, and be happy. That is me in my busy life. Like that is the way that I approach life. So you can imagine, whenever the world shut down last spring, my life shut down. And normally, my schedule would be filled with uh, meetings, Bible studies, one-on-one uh, -on -one meetings with students, parties, just all kinds of stuff, just packed schedule. And all of a sudden, thanks to Rudy Gobert, and the pandemic, everything was shut down. The entire world was shut down, and my schedule was empty. And I'll tell you what, I went through withdrawals like a drug addict. I was angry, I was depressed, I was frustrated. I was disappointed, and it was, it was not pretty. It was a rough couple of months for me. But I'll tell you, something weird happened after a few months. After a few months, all of a sudden, I started sleeping through the night without waking up in the middle of the night. And I started waking up without an alarm clock. And then all of a sudden, my schedule began to get full, but it was filled with important things and not urgent things. I began spending more time with people. And the quality of time I spent with people was better. Now, albeit sometimes it was six feet apart and I was wearing a mask, but I feel like I was really uh, spending time with people that mattered and really getting to invest in people. I was uh, getting more leisure time. I was, uh, but at the same time, I was beginning to get some work done. I was beginning to feel more rested and less anxious than I had in years. And then whenever I was finally able to go back to worship, after months of worshiping online, my depression broke. And what happened over that time period, whenever we were shut in and we couldn't go anywhere, is that God was forcing me to rest. He was forcing me to rest in Him. He was breaking my addiction to busyness. And in the process of breaking my addiction to busyness, He renewed my mind and my body and my soul. My soul. He strengthened me. So let me ask you this. How did you respond to the forced rest in the pandemic? What was that like for you? 
Did you suffer withdrawals like I did? Or were you like my wife? You thought this was the greatest thing ever, and you've just been waiting for a time when you could just be at home and do nothing. <laughs> All the parents raise their hands. Either way, whether you were going through withdrawals like me, or if you were celebrating it, what that says about your heart is that it is tired and it is busy. As a culture, we are crazy busy. We fill our schedule with extra work, extra activities, extra social events, extra media and entertainment, and this busyness leaves us weary and tired and fainting. Busyness is so debilitating that Eugene Peterson calls it an illness of the spirit. And guess who this illness of the spirit is very, very prevalent amongst? Christian leaders. Here's what happens with Christian leaders. The world finds out that you are committed and you are gifted and you're responsible and successful. And they're going to continue to ask you to do more and more and more. And guess what your soul is going to say? Guess what you're going to say? You're going to say, yes, yes, yes. And guess what your soul is eventually going to say? Stop! I'm tired. So what I want you to see tonight is that Jesus invites all of us who are crazy busy, who are weary and heavy laden, to come to him and find rest. I want you to see tonight that resting in Jesus is a gift of the everlasting God. And it renewed, it, it, it breaks our addiction to business and it re renews our minds, bodies, and souls. Resting in Jesus is a gift of the everlasting God. And it breaks our addiction to busyness and it renews our minds, our bodies, and our souls. First thing I want you to see is that resting in Jesus breaks our addiction to busyness. So there are basically two types of people in the world. There's busy achievers, and there's busy belongers. Okay? Now the busy achievers are the people who are filling their schedule with resume builders. Right? They're joining all the clubs, all the organizations, all the activities. They're doing service projects. They're getting jobs. They're trying to look as good on paper as they possibly can. So they can achieve a certain status. Busy Achievers. There was a movie, a documentary that came out a few years ago that actually described a busy achiever. I decided to use a, a gamer illustration instead of a sports illustration for all my gamers out there. But this, this documentary came out in 2007. It was called King of Kong, about a legendary gamer named Billy Mitchell. Mitchell set out to achieve the world's highest Donkey Kong score. He possessed all the skills and all the swag. If you watch it, he has this awesome mullet, and he has an American flag tie that's tucked into his pants. Yeah. He was electric, perfect, and he was a winner. But there was a problem. He was his video game performance. That was him. And as the documentary progresses, you see that his identification with gaming causes more and more problems. He's in a competition. And he begins to lose, and his friends sabotage the competition so he can win. And then in 2017, all of his gaming records were stripped because they found out he had submitted bogus scores. His obsession with achievement didn't lead to success. It led to failure. 
He was a busy achiever that put all of his identity into success. But busy belongers are a little bit different, right? They fill their schedules with coffee dates, parties, pickup games, Snapchat streaks, Instagram stories, all in a desperate effort to belong, to be a part of a group. They work tirelessly to make friends and maintain the friends. Because here's, here's something crazy about the social media age. What the social media age has done is it's made everything in competition, including friendships. And I read about a sad example of this. Uh, her name is Asina O'Neill. She was an Australian model that spent three years amassing over half a million Instagram followers. And then one night, at the height of her influence, she gave it all up. And later on, she was asked why. And she said, well, 16-year-old Asina would have been like, girl, you have the dream life. And I would have said, so why do I feel lonely and lost? And miserable. She admitted that nothing in her photos were real. They were all staged, just as desperate pleas to belong. She was a busy belonger, and ironically, her obsession with belonging led her into a deep loneliness. So I ask you, what about you? Are you a busy belonger? Are you a busy achiever? Now, in reality, we probably vacillate between both of those things depending on our life stage and our circumstance and what's going on. But it's important that you begin to recognize these cycles in your life. And this is what you have to ask ask yourself. What is driving your busyness? You see, busyness is a performance-based religion. It really is a religion. It's a way that we earn love and acceptance. We really think that if I do X, Y, and Z, then I'm going to be loved and accepted. The problem with that, whether you're a busy achiever or you're a busy belonger, is it's never enough. You are never going to be satisfied, and the world is never going to be satisfied. You're going to get trapped in a cycle of busyness that is going to lead to physical and spiritual fatigue, exhaustion, and fainting. The only way to break this cycle of busyness is through the gospel. But you got you got to have the gospel. You got to understand the gospel correctly. The gospel is not a set of propositional truths for you to memorize. Because guess what, achievers? If you set it out as a set of propositional truths for you to memorize, although it is good to memorize it and learn it, all you're doing is turning it into another performance-based religion. It's not just a set of truths to be memorized. It's not just a set of morals to live by. It's not just the gospel is not just something that brings you with other people belongers so you can feel like you belong. The gospel is an announcement about the good news of what God has done through the person and work of Jesus. The gospel is not primarily about what you must do. It is primarily about what God has done through Jesus. Jesus did everything necessary for you to earn God's love and acceptance and approval. For you busy achievers, you realize that you fall far short of the glory of God. But in the gospel, you see that Jesus gives you his glory. He gives you his righteousness. And because he gives you his glory, then you have the infinite love and acceptance of your father. It's not something you have to earn. For you busy belongers, 
Jesus gives you the love and acceptance that brings you in the family of the Trinity. You have the smile of your heavenly Father. You are one with God the Father, Son, and Spirit. And whether you're a busy belonger or a busy achiever, that gives you something that you can rest in. Your salvation is a gift that you didn't earn. It was given to you. Uh, at 14, Mary Carr was miserable. So miserable that she tried to hurt herself. Uh, she was unsuccessful and she wound up in a hospital. She was sick and her parents thought it was food poisoning, so they nursed her back to health. And after a while, her father thought, you know, I'd love to get you something that you would like to eat. What, what, is there anything that you would like to eat? And she said, you know what, I'd really like a plum, but they're not in season. So she went to bed that night. And that morning, whenever she woke up, her dad had bought her, brought her a box of plums. He had driven from Texas to Arkansas overnight to get plums for her, and he brought them back to her. And this is what she wrote in her memoir about that morning. She says, she remembered it this way. When you sink your teeth into that plum, you make a promise. The skin is still warm from riding in the sun in daddy's truck, and the nectar runs down your chin and you snap out of it, or are snapped out of it. Never again will you lay a hand on yourself. So long as there are plums to eat, and somebody that cares enough about you to go get those plums. That's how you require the resolution for survival that the coming years are about to demand. You don't earn it. It's a given. Jesus offers you a love and acceptance that's not earned, that's a given. He offers you to come and rest in Him and receive His goodness and grace. So how do we rest in Him? When you're weak, when you're weary, when you're busy, when you're busy trying to achieve something, you're trying to belong, ask yourself why. What's going on in my heart? What am I trying to gain right now? And then what I want you to do is to take 10 deep breaths and at the end of each breath, say, Jesus, help me rest in you. That's a way that you can moment by moment rest in Jesus. Okay? But another way that you can practice resting in Jesus is by keeping the Sabbath. In Matthew 12, 8, Jesus calls himself the Lord of the Sabbath. You guys probably all know the fourth commandment. It tells us to work six days, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord. The word Sabbath means rest or cease or desist or stop. So on the Sabbath, we stop working and we set aside a day for rest, worship, ministry, and necessary needs. Resting on the Sabbath is not just a box that you check. It's not just something you do to earn God's love for you. It's a way that you receive his grace. And it's something that you have to practice. It doesn't come easy. It's something that you have to learn. Uh, when our kids were little, we enforced a mandatory rest time after church on Sundays uh, for two reasons. One, because we were just, my wife and I were just absolutely exhausted from waking up, getting the kids ready, getting to the church, going to eat lunch with everybody after the church. You just go home, you're just exhausted. So it's like, okay, so now it's FOB time. Everybody flat on back. I don't care what you do. You just got to lay in bed. So we did that for our own sanity, but also because we want to teach our kids how to rest. 
They had to practice resting. It wasn't something that came natural to them. And we had one child that never wanted to rest. They insisted that they were never tired and that they didn't need to rest. But we would always make that child get flat on back and rest. FOP. Well, she, that child, eventually got better at it. <laughs> and recently, that child, I was putting them to bed at night, and they said to me, Dad, you're not managing my bedtime very well. I need to get more sleep. And I said, you're right. I'm not doing a good job. I'm sorry. But I'm glad you learned that you need to rest. She got the point. Resting is something we have to learn. And as we learn to rest in Jesus, especially on the Sabbath, God renews our minds, our bodies, and our souls. And that's the last thing I want you to see. First thing is that the resting in Jesus breaks our addiction to business. And lastly, resting in Jesus on the Sabbath renews our minds, bodies, and souls. Uh, resting on the Sabbath renews our minds because it teaches us to trust God. It is a mental way in which we say, Lord, I trust you with my life. So much so that I'm going to stop working. Uh, there's a great story about Philip Melanchthon. He was a friend of Martin Luther's. He really struggled with worry and anxiety like many of us. And when Melanchthon would start to worry, Luther would come to him and say, Philip, let Philip cease to rule the world. Let Philip cease to rule the world. What was he saying? He was saying, Philip, you are not in charge of the world. You need to rest and let God be in charge of the world. When you rest on the Sabbath, you are letting your Creator, King, God, and Heavenly Father rule the world. And that allows your mind to rest, and it, and it renews your mind. Resting on the Sabbath renews our minds, and resting on the Sabbath renews our bodies, because it honors the way God created us. God did not create you to work continually. Okay, athletes, you know this, right? You can't train all the time. If you train all the time, what's going to happen? You're going to overtrain. And eventually, your performance is not going to get better. It's going to start to regress. The way training works is you train, it tears down your muscles, and then you rest so that your muscles can be rebuilt. Well, if you're always working, if you're always training, you're always tearing your muscles down, then they never rebuild. That same principle applies to all of life with your body. If you're always working continually, your body is going to get ran down. It needs to rest. That's why God made it so that you need to sleep at least seven hours a night. Amen. Preach it, huh? Amen. You need, if you, scientists say less than seven hours a night is sleep deprivation. You need to get at least seven hours a night or more. Now, here's how bad it is for you. I read some research once. They did a study. They took two groups of college students. They took one group of college students and sleep deprived them. They gave them less than seven hours of sleep a night. They took another group of college students, and they fed them pizza and beer. Now, I'm not condoning a guy with pizza and beer. I'm just saying that's what they did for the study. Guess which group went into a pre-diabetic state first? The sleep deprived group was pre-diabetic before the group that lived on pizza and beer. <laughs> That's how important it is for you to rest. Go to sleep. Turn off your video games. Turn off your phones. 
lay down, go to bed. Okay? Take Sundays as your day off. Don't train. Don't work out. Rest. It would be amazing how hard it is to get college students to not do homework on Sundays. I would, every year I would say, hey, you know, guys, you probably do a lot better if you not do homework on Sundays. Thank you for listening to me. If you will put your work down and rest on Sundays, I bet you'll actually perform better and do better in school the other six days of the week. Your body is created for rest, so give it rest. Resting on the Sabbath renews our minds. Resting on the Sabbath renews our bodies. And resting on the Sabbath renews our souls. Because it honors our identity in Christ. We are not what we do. Resting on the Sabbath is a tangible way in which you say to your soul, I am not what I do. I am not my grades. I am not my work. I am not my activities, my clubs, or anything else. My primary identity comes from my union with Christ. I am a child of God. First and foremost. I'm not a student. I'm not a softball player. I'm not a gamer. When you rest on the Sabbath, you preach that gospel to yourself. You are not defined by what you do. You are defined by what Jesus has done for you. That's the gospel. And when you put all those other things aside on the Sabbath and you rest, that's what you preach to yourself. And that's what you believe. And it takes week after week, month after month, year after year, for your mind, your body, and your soul to believe that. But as you practice that, you're going to rest in Jesus. And it's going to renew your mind, your body, and soul. Resting in Jesus on the Sabbath is a gift. It is the plumb that our Heavenly Father gives us to remind us that this world is not about survival. It is a gift. It is a, it's a gift of our everlasting Father for Jesus. And here's what happens. As we uh, break our addiction to busyness, as we rest in Jesus, as we renew our minds and bodies and souls, we actually become more and more the type of leaders that God can use. One of the, the secret to being a godly Christian leader is resting in Jesus. Resting in Jesus. When I was in college, I used to work at camp, uh, and the camp counselors, the older camp counselors, always tell me the secret to ministry is rest. When you have a chance to rest, get your rest. There's a great story that illustrates this. But Dr. Rayburn, Dr. Rayburn was the president of Covenant, Covenant Seminary for some years. Before he was the president of Covenant Seminary, he was actually an army chaplain. And he tells a story of uh, one time when he was in Korea. He, he went to Korea, he arrived at the base, and he was immediately assigned to an airborne unit even though he didn't have his flying wings yet. Okay, so they get to the base, he gets there, he gets assigned to his unit, and he finds out that they are doing a jump that night. So he spends the entire day going through the basics of learning how to jump out of an airplane and land onto the ground. So that night on the flight, right, he gets in the plane, they're flying into combat, he just learned how to jump out of an airplane and, and use his parachute to land. He's anxious. He's worried. He begins to pray. What was that? Yeah. Yeah. So he begins to pray. He begins to pray, God, 
Help me impart peace to these soldiers. And as he begins to pray that, he begins to calm down. His head gets heavy. He falls asleep. Next thing he knows, this soldier is waking him up, shaking him. He says, wake up, we're about to drop. He'd fallen asleep on the plane. He was embarrassed that he had fallen asleep at such a, a dangerous time. Well, they jump out, they land, and over the next few days, word began to spread about this chaplain that fell asleep on the flight in. And soldier after soldier came to him and said, I want to know the God that can give you so much peace that you can fall asleep on a plane before you fly into combat. And he got to share the gospel with soldiers because he fell asleep. When you rest in Jesus and he renews your mind, your body, and your soul, you become the type of godly leader that you want to be. It won't come through busyness. It won't come through grace by the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's pray that God would give that to us tonight and going forward. Please pray with me. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for Jesus, for the Sabbath, for rest. We thank you that we're not defined by what we do, but by what Jesus has done for us. So I pray for these students tonight. I pray for the achievers in the room that desperately want to climb the ladder, to earn some status in their school or their church or in their group. I pray that you would show them that it will never be enough, but that Jesus has been enough for them. That they fall far short of your glory, but Jesus did. By faith in him, they can have his glory. I pray for those who desperately want to belong who desperately want to be part of a group, I pray that you would show them that you have brought them into the eternal family of the Trinity, that they have the love and acceptance of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. I pray that I would break their addiction to business, that they would be able to rest moment by moment in every Sabbath. I pray that they would enjoy the Sabbath. I pray that it would be like that sweet plum to them that would be a gift that's given. And it will renew their minds, their bodies, and their souls each day, each week. I pray this, this camp would be a gift to them. They would rest here. And that you transform them in the kind of type of God leaders that you want to use to advance your kingdom. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.